Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Cheap Shots Podcast after almost uh, our six-month hiatus. Uh, we are really excited to come back to you, although we've had a slight cash change. Uh, so here with me today is uh, Mr. Brandon Mayhorn. Howdy, guys. And uh, we have our new cast member, and uh, as she wrote in our book, <laughs> we have a woman now, Brandy. Hello. <laughs> so uh, how you guys been? What have you guys been up to? Oh, not much. Uh, getting done with the holiday season at Best Buy, it's been a real tricky situation. Same thing, pretty much. Just started at Best Buy, so that's how I met all you wonderful people, as I can say. But yeah, um, you know, it's really good to be back, and I'm really excited to do our first episode of 2019, even though we only did two episodes in 2018, but here's to many more. Many more. Woo! At least three. Well, we can count on three, guys. We've been signed on to a contract. It's kind of like a label for records, if you're familiar. Uh, we have to do at least 43 of these episodes to pay our bills this month. So here we go. No pressure. None at all. Uh, so I think the first thing we're going to just start off with is kind of catching up with each other. Uh, so what have you guys been playing recently? Like, uh... um, Well... Quick little disclaimer, I'm actually new to this gaming world, so I just got my first Xbox One um, maybe two months ago now. So I've just been trying to get as many games as I can downloaded on there. Um, pretty much, I've been rocking the Apex for a while. I'm just trying to get used to the first-person shooter and get used to all the controls. So it's been a little bit of a rough transition, but I think I'm getting the hang of it. Heck yeah. So what do you think of Apex so far? Have you played any other Battle Royales? Um, no, but I have been getting pressured by Brendan to play some Destiny 2 with him, I believe it is. And then, um, Ben has been actually pressuring me to play Halo with Halo. him. Halo. Okay. Not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> Both Bungie titles, might I add. <laughs> <laughs> so Apex. Yes. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm sure you know that the world comes from that of Titanfall 2. Yes. A game. Have you ever played Titanfall? I have not. Um, I was going to get Titanfall 2. But for some reason, I held off on it just because I felt like I didn't want to get confused. I did get Apex first, so I kind of wanted just to get used to that world first, per se, even though I was told after that it is part of the same world. Hey, it's okay. It's not like they're sequels. I think they did come out and say that this is definitively not Titanfall 3, so <laughs> you're fine. It's just the same universe. Gotcha. What about you, Brennan? What have you been playing? Uh... I mean, kind of a mishmash of a lot of different games. I mean, I've been playing catch-up on last year. I actually just finished out uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Nice. That was 40 long, long hours of just the same Tomb Raider that we've played for the last, like, five years. But still beautiful. Oh, it's still, no, it's a great <laughs> game. It's beautiful. I was playing it on my X, so it was running in 4K. Great game, just... I don't know, the story kind of dipped there a little bit for me. It wasn't as cool as I expected, but the ending was phenomenal oh no spoilers uh, here no 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 spoilers i mean it's only been like six months but um no i mean i've had fun with that i did just start playing a little double may cry um which really really enjoying that if you're a fan of the series great return um definitely recommend it i've and been then, watching you play that it's true so as <laughs> someone who's never jumped into the, like the devil may cry universe mm -hmm. 
would the fifth one be a good jumping point or would I definitely have to go back and experience the other games first? Absolutely not. Do not jump in on number five. <laughs> uh, this universe is confusing for those of us who have played all four game or all five games to this point. And let me tell you, it does not get any less confusing. So I would highly recommend, uh, you know, trying out. They did just put out last year uh, the Devil May Cry trilogy, which has one, two and three remastered in HD. I'm a huge fan of one, two and three, although one is really difficult. Like, even by like nowadays difficulty standards, but I uh, definitely a great game. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's been pretty much it. I mean, I've been playing a little bit of like all the new games. I did just finish Far Cry New Dawn as well, which was really, really fun, except nice. for the final boss. I'm really noticing a trend with game developers not being able to make final bosses anymore. Mm -hmm. Like it's really kind of disappointing. Um, but aside from that, it's been a mishmash. How about you, Brandon? Well, I've been playing pretty much the same old, same old. Uh, we've got the classic Overwatch thrown in there. That's my go-to game to play when I've got pretty much nothing better to do with my time. Uh, in Overwatch right now, though, we've got some exciting stuff going on. They're about to launch the new hero, Baptiste, which I'm very excited about. Okay. Uh, one of the big things in Overwatch for everyone who's listening and you guys, we never have enough support. I feel like no one ever picks support, especially <laughs> in quick play. So having someone who's not only damage but support, oh boy, I'm excited. <laughs> that was a straight shot at me. I thoroughly felt that because I hate support. I felt the intense gaze over the Oh yeah, the mic. no. Okay, he, he's only saying that because whenever we play, I despise playing support because I just want to be in the action. I am the most aggressive Zenyatta you've ever met. That, that is very, very true. I will give you that. Um, however, I think one of the things that I'm, I'm excited to see with the player base is hopefully mm. a shift since yeah. Bas uh, Baptiste, excuse me, is going to be both more DPS yeah. and support kind of combined. You might actually feel competent with one of uh, the wow. characters now. Did you just say competent? Did you hear that? Yeah, I did Ooh. hear that. Did that come across rude? Yeah. Oh, I heard every that. syllable under oh, your breath. Nice. Beyond that, though, <laughs> outside oh. of the world of Overwatch. Uh, actually, before we jump, do you mind if I make a quick shout out? And this is totally not sponsored by them. But if you're a huge Overwatch fan, Control Freak is actually doing a vote right now for their new thumbsticks. They'll either have Diva, Ham Taro, I can't remember his name, or um, Lucio on it. And they're actually voting, and everyone who votes gets early access to pre-order the new uh, Control Freak thumbsticks. No shit. So I figured I would shout that out, because if we have Overwatch fans out there, highly recommend making that vote. I already did mine, and can't wait to do the pre-order when they come out. So, well, Like I say every day when I wake up in the morning, Overwatch is not necessarily a video game. It's more of a lifestyle. <laughs> uh, so if you leave and you don't get those thumbsticks, what are you doing? Just yeah, go up true. there. It is not a one. choice. It's a lifestyle. Right? Absolutely. Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, beyond Overwatch, I will say that I've started playing through Borderlands 2. This time, and I have played through Borderlands 2 <laughs> prior, I'm playing through on PC. So I'm getting mm -hmm. the ultra settings, uh, incredibly high frame rates, and I am loving it. I think Borderlands 2 is one of those definitive games in a series that nails the villain, nails the gameplay, the world itself, and... Give us Borderlands 3. That's all I'm asking for. My love for Borderlands 2 is not enough to get me by anymore. Gearbox, hear uh, me out. So, Brandon, have you heard about the, the announcement that's happening this month then? Yeah. Oh, for the third time, they're going to tell me Borderlands 3 is coming out and then we're not going to hear anything about it? I uh, know. Actually, <laughs> we have a definitive PAX East conference uh, with a note card made in the art of Borderlands 3. So I'm pretty sure at this point, if they don't announce Borderlands 3, either riots will happen or... Uh, They'll go out of business, one or the other. Oh, I already have my plane ticket to uh, Washington, D.C. We will be marching on the White House if we do not get Borderlands 3. 
if you're with me, guys, uh, well, you'll get the emails. Come on. Sync your watches. <laughs> yeah, but that's about it for me. That's that's all I've been playing, really. Sweet. Since it has been a while since we've, you know, been on a podcast, uh, we did want to talk about some of the new releases. We just kind of wrote some down uh, that we thought were kind of important. So we've already kind of touched on Devil May Cry 5. Another one I want to touch on was Jump Force. Okay. Uh, that did come out. It's an oof. awesome fighting game. Judge me. Judge me so hard. That oof was not the judgment per se. It was the judgment of the statue. It was a little bit. So do you want to talk about this for like one minute, 30 yeah, seconds? We, we can talk about it. I mean, we're new. we got nowhere to be. All right. Well, we're out shopping. We're at Target. We're leaving. He says, hey, can we stop somewhere real quick? I said, sure. Where do you want to go? Because I'm the one driving, of course. And... Where do we go? Where do we go, Brendan? Uh, we went to GameStop because, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, I am a former GameStop employee and my probably one of my best friends in the world actually works at a, a different store now. He actually got assistant manager position. And so, you know, I haven't seen the guy in what feels like six months. So we wanted to go up and see if he was working and say hi. So it was very, very true. I will give you some credit. The trip turned out innocent at first, but then we go in and... I walked away for a moment and I just hear you exclaim and over <laughs> why this was such an exclaim was because I guess you can describe it more. It was a statue. It was like a bundle pack. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, I picked up Jump Force prior to I bought the gold edition because I was really excited to play it early. And um, but I was really bummed out because I ended up liking the game a lot. And I really wanted the statue from the collector's edition. But it you know, I looked for it online. It was selling for four or five hundred dollars per copy of the statue. <laughs> Um, just something I'm not going to spend that much money on. So we go into the store. <laughs> Hush. We go into the store and, uh, you know, we're looking around. And I just happened to catch my, on my uh, eye that they had one collector's edition on the counter. And I had to buy it. Like, it was not an option. When we went out shopping before, you told me to try stop you from spending any money. That flew out the window that second. It is completely <laughs> true, and that also was completely true. All right, money well spent, I'd say. Oh, no, it was. I mean, I'll have to, you know, put it up sometime, but I, I love the statue. Super nice one. Really impressed how with how... How much was it again? Mm, we're not going to talk about that on the internet. The internet okay. doesn't need to know how much money I spend. Very true. <laughs> Fair enough. It was a lot of money. We'll just go with that. Okay, so you picked up a new statue. Yeah. This I mean... is very, very good. Mm-hmm. What, I think your statue has Naruto, Goku, yeah. who uh, else? Naruto, Goku, and Luffy. Luffy, Luffy. Oh, not Luffy, it's Luffy. God. I just love saying it just to make you twitch a little bit. It's true. So as someone who does love the series that, you know, Jump Force is kind of taken and combined into one world, One Piece, Naruto, Dragon Ball, Yu-Gi-Oh even, <laughs> I have not yet picked up the game. I've yeah. I watched gameplay. But if you love those series, is this one of those games you have to buy? That's my question. Um, For me, it, this is a discount game. It's a great game and I love it, but there are some glaring issues for me that just make it not worth spending the full amount on. I actually um, really am disappointed with the fact that uh, the frame rate on the cutscenes is like 20 frames a second. Very game cinematic. The, the fighting is fluid and great, but the cutscenes, like, I mean, there was literally a moment where, like, Goku and Vegeta are, like, charging at each other, and, like, I saw the slowdown as their fists were about to hit, and it was, like, a slow-mo fist bump, and you were just like, oh, what happened there? Oh, and I'm running this on an Xbox One X, I do have to say that, so that's really disappointing to me. Mm. Um, but gameplay-wise, it's really fun. The roster is amazing. 
It's actually introduced me to some characters that I didn't even think I would like. Um, and I'm super excited because we don't have confirmation yet, but the first DLC character is rumored to be Seto Kaiba. So now I can have Yugi and Kaiba on the same team, and that's going to be great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of my take on Jump Force. It's a great game, but I, I would definitely say wait for a discount on it. I wouldn't jump at it immediately. Don't you get to create your own character? Oh, yeah, that is, that is worth mentioning. You do get to make your own character, and it is pretty cool to make yourself in an anime game. I've actually already done that. Um, every game I play, I pretend like I'm my own anime character. <laughs> so when I create a character, I, of course, you know, have to do something crazy. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen where people on Jump Force have taken certain characters and changed, like, Shaggy yep. into Vegeta. So you can play a Shaggy from Scooby-Doo on Jump <laughs> awesome. Force. So amazing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, Ooh, well, what's next? Next one up there. Uh, this is going to be a really fun conversation that we all want to have. Uh, it's Anthem. Oh, gotcha. So this is actually my personal note to Bioware. Um, you guys tried. <laughs> you did your best. You put a lot of effort into this. We can tell. The world itself is beautiful. Uh, the world is great. There are some glaring issues with this game, though, that we didn't think we were going to have to see. Uh, considering it's the same Bioware team that did Mass Effect 1 and 2, some of the best games I think we got on last generation's consoles. Bioware, here's my personal note to you. Straight away. What the hell have you been doing for six years? I'm sorry, did you say six years? Six years. Six years. They were developing that game for six years. Okay, well, a lot of things have happened in my life in the past six years, and I didn't turn out as bad as that game did, so what's going on? <laughs> Bioware, yeah. explain. For real, like, I, I love Bioware, and I want to defend them so bad, because I, like, I just recently started playing Dragon Age Inquisition again, and that's such a fun game, but what happened, like... You have had less time to make better games. <laughs> and it's just like, to me, like, here's the thing. I feel like, and it, if this is true or not, I don't know. But I really feel like that midway through this game's development, they just scrapped the entire game and restarted. And if that's true, that's fine. That would actually make me feel a lot better to know that there was this problem. But if there isn't, I just, I don't know what to say to Bioware because I feel like they're losing their touch. So you're talking about glaring issues in the game what yeah. have you personally come across so far that you feel like makes the game almost unplayable like what has really popped up that you know has been your biggest issue load screens Ooh. uh literally to change a <laughs> weapon and i'm sure if you're listening to a gaming podcast you've heard this a thousand times it takes six load screens to try a weapon and if you don't like it go back and change it six load screens that are about a minute to two minutes a piece Nice. To me, that is completely unacceptable this day and age. Um, in Destiny, if I don't like a weapon, I can literally hit inventory, swap, and done. So I, I think that brings up an interesting point, because what Anthem is supposed to be is a loot and shoot, kind of like Destiny and some of the games that have come before it. If you can't actively loot, change into the gear that you've just collected, and then use that gear, is it really a loot and shooter? That's my, my biggest thing. No, it is not. I, I can very thoroughly tell you I've put like 10 hours into the game um it is not a loot and shoot game like they tried they tried real hard i'll give them that they they really did but it just they don't deserve it um i'm super disappointed in bioware and i get that they have all this you know like they're going to be making changes and there's all this content coming but i honestly wish you guys would have just delayed the game two months put all this content in the game and released it then because i honestly would have felt a little better can I ask you one more question? Yeah, please. Okay, so a lot of games, especially nowadays, come out in a state of almost 
non-completion, it feels like. I'm looking at you, Fallout 76. Uh, um, a lot of people think that, you know, a year down the road, these developers are going to have a chance to fix their games. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Anthem in its current state, if some of those bugs were fixed or, you know, those glaring issues like load screens, that it would be a game you could pick up and enjoy for maybe a couple of years to come? No. Um, and I it just... At the end of the day, it really comes down to, and I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but EA had this mantra for a long time of making games a service, not making games as a game, to where they would update the game and add content for free, but they would put it out over time. So you would basically buy an unfinished game, and they would add on the rest as the game came out. And that's a cool idea. But at the end of the day, as a gamer who's spending all this money on games, and like, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit, I spend way too much money on games. Like, it's it's just a given. I pretty much play every new game that comes out. But when a, a half price game like Far Cry New Dawn feels like more of a game than Anthem, that to me is totally unacceptable. Like, just there's no reason. So I don't agree with that. But at the same time, I have to defend it because I'm a huge defender of Bungie, uh, who makes Destiny. And I have said that for years is that, oh, there's more content coming out. You can't judge it by the initial state of the game. But at the same time, I've learned, I've gotten past, I'll probably say it again when Destiny 3 comes out and I'll defend it again, but to (laughs) me, there was nothing about Anthem worth defending, I guess would be the best way to put it. Fair enough. Now, I will say EA has had a very troubling couple of years, especially post-Battlefront 2. No. So, as someone who doesn't typically like EA, I'll I'll come out and say EA is not by any means one of my favorite developers. No. However... Battlefront 2 launched in probably one of the worst states I've ever seen a game launch at. I think EA over the past couple of years now, I mean, we're going on almost two years with this game. I think that they fixed it, and I think it's a game that I can now enjoy to its full extent. So I'm curious to see where we do go in the next couple of years to see if Anthem does stick around, or if it's kind of like Mass Effect Andromeda that we would like to forget about. Oh, I saw the thumbs down come from you. Oh, yeah. It's a... Andromeda is a sad fate because I really love Mass Effect. Um, Brandy, what do you think about games as a service? Do you think that that's an okay practice? Or, I mean, like, you're coming off of a PS2 area where, you know, you got a full game on a disc. There was no DLC. So what do you think? Pretty much. And I will say, uh, no shame here. I have loved gaming ever since I could basically wrap my hands around the controller and pretty much reach all the buttons with my thumb. Um, But... I feel like it could go both ways. I try to see both the pros and cons of it. Um, Quick backstory. Yes, I do come from playing the old PS1 games, old PS2. I still have my old PS2 and I still love playing my old games on there just because as a topic we'll talk about later. Um, I just love certain ones that come off of it. Um, As for the service, I feel like if you've been giving that long to make a game and if you're going to commit to it, I believe you should have something to back that up. Um, that's just my point of view. I'm probably way off because like I said, I am new to this generation, but even coming from older games, you're right. I, I did have the game on one disc because what else was there to do in that generation was to just have one disc. And then you wait, what year, two years, three years sometimes for the next one to come out. Um, I don't know, I guess I'm just still kind of undecided at that point, but I do believe if you're going to commit to something, I believe you should be able to back it up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The next game we had on the list was Far Cry New Dawn, which we kind of briefly hit on. Um, I mean, I can definitely say this. If you love Far Cry 5, Far Cry New Dawn is like 
the best Far Cry ever. I actually think it, I really do think it is the best one since three. I love the fact that they've kind of gone that borderlandsy route of like adding health bars and adding, um, like when you hit, you get damage numbers. For some reason, numbers popping out of people make you feel so much better in a video game. I don't understand it. I just love it. <laughs> oh yeah, whenever I stub my toe in real life, a little minus four pops up. <laughs> Freaks me out, but I love it. it. It makes you feel good, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can hit a, not much to hit on on Far Cry. I mean, it is just another Far Cry game. They did hit the post-apocalyptic world really well, though. I like their take. It wasn't like your generic Mad Max destroyed desert-like planet. No offense to Mad Max. They kind of made it a... their own. They didn't copy anyone. Yeah, they did a, a really cool, like, it's actually a really vibrant world. And I never thought I'd say that the apocalypse would be super pink, but it's super pink. Super and I pink. like it. Oh, so we have an official color. Oh, we do actually yeah. have an official okay. color of the apocalypse. Okay, um, comparing really quick, because I do love Far Cry, and I think the formula, yeah. they've perfected that pretty much from Far Cry 2 and up. Mm -hmm. We've gotten pretty consistently decent Far Cry games. Yeah. With us getting, you know, into the apocalypse now. Uh-huh. We have some other games out there that have kind of staples, and that's where their world is staked mm -hmm. in. How would you say this apocalypse compares to a game like Fallout, which is pretty um, drab and dreary? So, I mean, I guess it depends on what you're looking for. For me, I really enjoyed it. Like, I like this apocalyptic world because it, it has, like, these pseudo-religious ties in it that I really like from Far Cry 5. I really love Joseph Seed, and I love everything about his, like, the religion is the the demon and we're gonna take the the churches down because i'm right and you're all wrong wow, that was amazing um, it, it's such a like i love his character and i love that it actually has some weight now that he's like this kind of father because he predicted the end of the world and now people are like well shit we actually do have to you know like follow him because he's not wrong the irony is uh oh never mind we can't spoil the game play the games play far cry do it now <laughs> Yeah, what he said. <laughs> cool. What do we have next? Apex. Um, this is Brandy's home because <laughs> let me tell you, my kill streak on uh, Apex is exactly zero. Uh, I still haven't got a kill in that game, and I'm not ashamed because I, I battle royales just aren't my thing. Brandy, and you, and you did say that before. So, like I said in the beginning, um, my intro into this new gaming world, everyone was telling me to download Apex, download Apex, and I thought. Sure, why not? I have to jump in the waters at some point. And they said it was a first-person shooter. And I'm very iffy with first-person shooters. It's just something I have to get used to. I thought, hey, why not? Everyone told me it was a battle royale. I said, hey, why not? So I just kind of jumped in. And like I said, it is a bit of a struggle for me with just dealing with the controls. Again, it's just a different console, different controller. Everything's placed differently. But overall, I I do kind of like it. I'm racking up my kills. Can't be can't be too upset. Can't be too hard on yourself. Um, hard zero there. Hard zero. Hard zero. No. What about you, Brandon? So I'm kind of on Brendan's side. I I don't typically play battle royales. That's not my style. I'm alone. Hey, you're fine. <laughs> With that being said, I have played a lot of battle royales, even though they're okay. not my my style. So I started off on PUBG, and I thought that was a train wreck, but Gosh, if it wasn't fun. Went from PUBG to Hi-Rez's uh, Realm Royale, which I played for, I think, uh, a solid match. And then I deleted the game from my PC because it had no right being there. <laughs> yeah. I played Blackout. Blackout yeah. was great. I will give, you know, I, I personally liked it. I think uh, no, Activision, no, they did a great job in that game. Wow, uh, Activision did something good for once. I'm proud of them. Well, yes. Beyond that, though, 
I think Apex does have a lot going for it. As someone who doesn't play Battle Royales, they've added a teen aspect that you never had in the other games. The ping system alone... I will fact... say, oh yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt, but oh, you're fine. I am completely on board with that. The, yeah. the ping system is beautiful, and if you don't know what we're talking about, it's basically a way for you to mark things for your team so that you do not have to have a headset. You can just quickly mark enemies, weapons, caches, gear, the whole nine, and it's really an awesome thing, so you don't have to listen to all of the 12-year-olds on the internet that feel like they need to scream in your ear. Sorry, exactly. not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. We just lost all of our 12 <laughs> if there were any. Please come back. We have candy. Um, beyond that, though. Scratch that. I did say that I really like Overwatch. Uh, so talking about Overwatch and like the team-based aspect there. Um, one thing is you've got specialties. You've got support. You've got damage. You've got a tank. So someone meaty to take all that firepower. Someone to heal you. Someone to dish it out. Apex has hit a really, really like strong kind of like a home note for me. They did even everything out to where with the characters that they have brought forward at the moment. I feel like they did a very good job with here's two that do this. You know, here's the lifeline. Here's, you know, pretty much they I feel like they've pretty much knocked it out of the park. Yeah, exactly. And I we, we are I expect great things out of Respawn. Oh, yeah. And I was not disappointed I think Apex has better longevity overall than a lot of the battle royales that we've seen come out in the last couple of years. So two things. I have a question for both of you to answer because you both seem to enjoy the style of game and I don't. Uh, but the first statement I would like to make is, isn't it crazy how the one game that EA didn't touch is really good? Like, isn't it mm. great? Uh, I would say that that's not crazy. I would say that EA is definitively the problem. <laughs> and if you hear me, EA, change your ways. Cool, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Learn from your mistakes. Uh, so the next one, Apex is the big, you know, Battle Royale game. Is it going to dethrone Fortnite? Do you guys think that Fortnite has finally met its match? Because it is true that when Apex came out, Fortnite did see a drop in players. So do we think that over time we're going to see this drop continue? Or do we think that Anthem, or Anthem, wow. Do we think that Apex is just going to kind of, you know, fizzle out eventually? So the biggest thing I think is that Fortnite had kind of a lead. You know, mm -hmm. Fortnite's been out now for well over a year. Oh, they yeah. have shown that they consistently make money and Epic Games is thriving. Even with the launch of Apex, Fortnite is still big. Mm -hmm. um, and this is coming from somebody, you'll notice it on that list of Battle Royale games I said I'd played. I've never touched Fortnite. But respectively, Fortnite's been out for a lot longer and you're going to see some loyalty there. So people who are really good at Fortnite, who love Fortnite, that's their game. And that's perfectly fine. They can keep playing Fortnite. Apex is going to be for that other group of people who maybe want a more realistic shooter. Yeah. Who want that first person expertise. And who don't want to have to tear down the Taj Mahal to get a kill. Because I'm sorry, Fortnite players, stop building shit. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I've seen how tall those towers get. I could never kill you from there. So I have mad respect for the people who do play Fortnite. Um... Like I said before, I always see the pros and cons of things. Numbers may drop, and they have dropped, but I believe, just like Brandon said, that, you know, you will have a love for what you do like to play. So there are going to be people still playing Fortnite. I believe the numbers will go back up, but I do believe that Apex will continue to grow in a way, especially I've heard rumors from other people that they will continue to build it, meaning that I've heard that they're going to come out with new characters. Ooh. They're going to come out with new maps. They're going to, you know, keep up with the ratings because this is a free game. And then you do have the option to buy things in that game per se. And people do buy it. They are making money on this free game and it is gaining a lot 
of followers. I mean, I get on a game, it's like, oh, I'm so happy with like my 20 kills or something like that. And then I get on a game and I see someone with over a thousand kills and they are like knocking out of the park. And I get so frustrated when I see someone with that. But again, I am still learning on that. But I think that Apex will continue to grow. And if they do, you know, do what apparently these rumors are per se to come out with all this new stuff, I believe that I think they will catch up to Fortnite pretty quickly. Yeah. All right. Well, the last new release that we really have to talk about, um, this one myself and Brandon were actually talking about last night and we are just itching to get our hands on, uh, is the Halo Master Chief Collection is finally coming to PC. Oh! <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. This, oh my God. We grew up playing Halo. Halo oh, was my first FPS. Yeah. And now we're talking about taking Halo, which I've only ever enjoyed on Xbox, onto PC. Halo's coming home, baby. And Halo's not just coming home with the Master Chief Collection. They are adding on Halo Reach into the Master Chief Collection, which has not been done before. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think that this is probably the best news we've gotten from Microsoft in a while. Because There are so many great facial expressions going on in this room right because now. Because we're excited, guys. <laughs> like... I just, I don't know how to express how excited I am because as somebody who's going to be doing the play anywhere, I've had Master Chief Collection since probably the day I bought my Xbox. And I am just thrilled to know that I'm finally going to be able to go back and be like, yeah, I can play Halo 1, 2, 3, 4, um, 5, and then Reach. Reach is one of my favorite Halos. I'm so sad that that was the last note that Bungie left us on. Not because you know, they're leaving to do another game, but because it was so good, it was, dare I say, perfect. <laughs> you can say perfect because Halo Reach was the epitome of what I think any first-person shooter should be. Yes. And it nailed the atmosphere of Halo, even without Master Chief, which I feel like ODST was really great, Yeah. but Halo Reach did it better. No, 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 no. Halo Reach 100% did it better. And like you were telling me last night, the fact that it is going to be unlocked frame rates it's going to be high resolution. Like, I'm so excited to re-experience Halo 1, Halo 2. You know, the last time I played Halo 3, as funny as it is, but we did the Vidmaster Challenge where you had to get four people on Legendary with all the skulls turned on and get the ghosts out. That was the last time I played Halo 3. And I left on such a good memory that I'm so excited to come back and make more. See, and what's so exciting for me is that I've already played through the Master Chief Collection on Xbox, yep. Xbox One, so I did get to see the kind of like remastered, improved graphics, better gameplay. But the thing I didn't get to do was enjoy it a way I've never enjoyed it before. Mm -hmm. I prefer to play first-person shooters on PC because, of course, keyboard and mouse, you're much more accurate. It's fluid. Um, it feels kind of like a, a constant, I don't know, experience. Mm -hmm. um, so I think just going back and replaying through those campaigns... Mm -hmm on PC by itself is going to be a beautiful experience. What I'm most excited for though, is to see kind of like the online player base mm -hmm. jump back up because the yeah. amount of people who will be playing this on PC, I mean, we're talking about maybe people who have never owned an Xbox, right. Who might be playing Halo for their first time on PC. Yeah. So I, I think we're going to see a huge no, jump I, up. I completely agree. And I, I think it's just, it's super exciting to see Halo reinvigorated because as somebody who was so thoroughly disappointed with Halo 5 and like they tried they 343 has tried so hard and I give them props because it's so hard to see somebody who you know came off the mantle of Bungie who when Bungie made Halo I mean 
there was no better company. Bungie could not do wrong at that point. Which is really crazy. That's really changed. Ooh. Destiny, I'm looking at you. Although, <laughs> they're no longer owned by Activision, so I have a feeling Destiny 3 is somehow going to get magically better. I don't know why. Just feeling the Activision and EA problem kind of starting to go away. Uh, but anyways... I'm so excited to see it, you know, kind of come back and re-experience all those games. And like you said, in a new way that I've never experienced them before. Exactly. So can we say, is it safe to say that you have very high hopes? Oh, I mean, at this point with how much polish there already is on the Master Chief Collection from it being on Xbox for so long, without a shadow of it, I mean, it's going to be a great game. I unless it, unless it has the issues that it had when it came out on Xbox One, which if it does, guys, really, really... Come on, you should have learned better now. Yeah, like really, if unless those issues somehow magically reappear, I have no doubt that Master Chief Collection is going to be perfect. Perfect. Well, I would like to pose a question to both of you then. Yeah. Okay. So, of course, Halo is a Microsoft property at this point. So they, they've got pretty much the lockdown on that. Um, Microsoft has come out though and said that every single Microsoft exclusive title will be coming to PC now, mm-hmm. especially with the Play Anywhere. Yeah. So are there any games kind of like Halo that came out maybe on the 360 or the original Xbox that you would like to see support for on PC if it's not already on PC? Um, I mean, it would be kind of nice like as a Play Anywhere title. So, I mean, I'm kind of slightly still twinging it towards Xbox. I'd like to see the other three Gears of War games come to PC. Just, I mean, even if they remaster them like they did one, I'd love to see those two cleaned up because those are two of the best games on Xbox. So, I mean, that that would probably be my one game that I'd like to come back, because I'd love to play through them with my friends again. Especially on PC. Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh, because I'll tell you what, I've got the Xbox 360 version of Gears 1 and 2 yep. on my Xbox One, oh, yeah. and even running on a newer system, so, they're still kind of stuck to the limitations yep. of that last generation console. So a PC port would be beautiful. 30 FPS, we're looking at you. <laughs> All right, Brandy, anything you'd like to see maybe come to PC? Um... So like I said, I'm still learning a little bit. Um, I, an old friend of mine, I did used to play PC games on his computer. Um, I got involved with Star Wars, got involved with Ark. Don't you give me a look. <laughs> wow, he is actively gagging right now. We'll come back to this whole Ark subject later. <laughs> no, we won't. Um, but I've also been watching on Twitch how, again, funny enough, how Apex is a lot different on PC than Xbox. I believe the graphics, in my opinion, look a little bit better. It's kind of cool to see. It goes so much faster. It is so hard for me to keep track with, like, how much stuff they pick up and, like, run through rooms. Like, I don't even see half the stuff they pick up. And then all of a sudden I see they have a wingman. I'm like, where do they even get that from? So I think it's kind of cool to see the differences with it. Um, Whenever I do get a PC again, I think I would definitely get that. Um, Sorry to say, I will get ARC. So I know you're making gagging noises. I'm sorry. I do love the ARC world. Um, I know it's going to be different on Xbox. I haven't gotten it yet. Um, I just think that would be really cool to see. I, a long time ago, and don't ask me which one, I am excited to get back into Halo. I did play it before long, long time ago. Um, I believe it would be cool <laughs> to also start playing that again. And just, I usually like seeing the differences on a lot of game systems. Like I said, this is new to me. I love kind of jumping into the new world, getting used to things. So it's just, like I said, it's, it's a new world for me and I just like to explore it more. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, cool. On that note, uh, we do have one more kind of big newsworthy thing that we wanted to talk about just real briefly. It's nothing crazy because we really don't know much about it. It's mostly spec uh, speculation at this point. But uh, how about that uh, discless Xbox One? Well, as someone who does prefer to buy their games digitally now, I'm personally fine with this because, again, it will lower the cost of the system. Enough to where hopefully people who couldn't afford the Xbox before can now get into it. Yeah. Because gaming is, of course, something that everyone should have that equal chance to enjoy. It is kind of an escape from reality. Mm-hmm. So going digital, I think that it's perfectly fine. I think yeah. it's exactly what we need. Just like we phased most disc, uh, disc trays out of laptops and you know gaming desktops. There's not really a need for that anymore. Unless you wanted to own your game on a physical copy. I know a lot of people still like to buy their games um i can kind of see it i cannot because actually the first time i did buy a disc i kind of got screwed over in a way it didn't work on my system and i had to end up giving it away we could not figure out the problem why and i just had to buy it digitally so i mean it really sucked for me that was like one of my first experiences and it kind of really sucked um do you see any complications with only going digital as opposed to still being able to buy a disc so yes and no as somebody who does purely 100 digital now um i have the 10 terabyte hard drive to prove it it's just a problem guys it's really a problem (laughs) at this point um no as somebody who does digital i do see issues the main issue being high-speed internet um, because not everyone has access to high-speed internet which is a big issue because if you don't, these games are so big anymore. Like I know I was downloading, what was it? I downloaded Halo 5, the Master Chief Collection at the same time. And between the two games, it was like 200 gigs, which is a lot. That If you're not an average gamer, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, so my big concerns would be how big is the hard drive going to be on this new system? Because if it's not two terabytes or bigger... Why are we even making it? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's kind of disappointing almost, because now you're telling me I have to go buy a hard drive. Um, And at the same time, like, I can't see advantages, though, because you don't have to worry about the disc breaking. Um, For me, it's also nice because I have 419 games downloaded on my hard drives that I can then easily just detach, put on a shelf, label hard drive one. Cool. (laughs) If I ever need to, like, switch systems or anything, it's just right there. I just pick that, pop it in, and I'm done, which is awesome. Exactly. Uh, You brought up kind of a good point, I think, in the Mm -hmm. fact that you have to download games. I mean, digitally, you're going to be downloading very large file sizes. Mm -hmm. But kind of my counter argument with that is even if you do buy a disc, you're still going to have to download maybe not quite the same file size. But most of the time, you're talking about 5 to 10 gigs difference, if that. Right. So buying a game on disc doesn't necessarily mean you're avoiding that problem with having to download it. No, and I mean, it's not so much the issue of downloading it, but it is the issue of if you don't have internet, if we go to a discless world like PC is now, I mean, it really does kind of, like how you were saying everyone should have equal access, well, we won't have equal access, which, and I I get it, like, to me, discs are kind of a thing of the past, I think they're kind of pointless, because most people do have access to 100 plus meg internet anymore, which, you know, God hate Spectrum, but they have the best internet. Spectrum wants to know your location right now. <laughs> I actually came from having um, FIOS, the fiber optic, fiber oh. optic network. What was what were your speeds? Uh, 
incredible. Incredible. Yeah. So for someone who does have great internet connection, this is going to be oh, it's great, invaluable I mean, almost like, because yeah, you're not paying for the extra. Yeah, I mean, like the great thing for me is you know is the former GameStop employee who used to you know go to all the midnight launches and stuff. It was awesome because it was like oh, I can go out at midnight and play my game tonight. <laughs> But now it's great because all I have to do is like download the game four days in advance, throw on some pajamas, you know, make a drink and sit down and play a game. It's already loaded. It's already ready to go. Like, I don't have to worry about all that anymore. I don't have to go out in the cold and wait. It's awesome. I feel like that was half the fun, though. It was it, though. I mean, I I might just be biased because I used to work there, but sometimes those experiences weren't the best because... True. You know, you were stuck there all night. You had to wait in line. Like, I know I had to go wait in line for my Xbox One X. And that was a long night, to say the least. <laughs> so, with the future being mostly digital now, mm-hmm. uh, of course, PC games have gone this way. Now you've got your own online stores like, of course, Blizzard.net, if you want to do a Battle.net, excuse me, through Blizzard. Um, Steam, Epic Games just opened their own store. Yeah, so that's gone completely digital. Yeah. If we start to see the consoles go digital, if we start seeing it go Mm -hmm. this way, what do you think will happen to places like GameStop? Oh, GameStop will die. Like, let me put it this way. When I left, GameStop was dying. If this is the direction that we're going, it will be dead or it will become a Funko house. Like, I feel. Up. I feel like yeah. I think they'll hang on for a little bit, and they'll try to transition to they'll... obviously keep afloat in a way. And as and as hard as that is to say, because I come real quick from a Barnes and Noble world. I also worked yeah. at Barnes and Noble, and they mm-hmm. are also keeping afloat somehow too with all of. I mean, the Kindles came out, all the digital books, things like that. So I feel like it's kind of the same situation where they'll try to transition, which is nothing wrong with that. Um, I feel like it could go down up and down and they either may yeah just be dead or they may transition like you said into a funko or like action figures like how you got like the jump force thing and i mean it it just comes down to it i mean there's a reason that so many years ago gamestop bought um uh, think geek i mean they knew they knew right then and there when they bought think geek that gamestop was gonna not be gamestop for much longer and i still see that happening so you think it's going to go more towards a collectible-based... Like collectibles, hardware. I can definitely see them still selling hardware. Because, you know, us you out have, there... You have to have a place to buy the console. I yeah, mean, if you I don't mean, have discs for it. Or you may not have your discs. You still sell the hardware of it. But the hardware, like if you've ever worked in retail, hardware doesn't make money. Hardware never makes money. The accessories make money, oh, but yeah. hardware does not. Um, so game consoles usually are like a wash... So at that point, like, I definitely see the collectibles, what's keeping them afloat. Because, you know, you can sell a... Merch sells, too. Oh, absolutely. All um, of the merch. Gears of War Elite controller. Spent way too much extra money on that the controller. The t-shirts, the hoodies. Oh, yeah. Lanyards, like, anything like that. People still come in and say, hey, do you have this? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right, guys. So we haven't really kind of hit on it uh, yet. But the main topic of today's episode is going to be uh, simplicity. So this really got brought up, and I'm going to give a quick overview on how I kind of came up with this one, because I was playing uh, Resident Evil 1 probably about a month ago, and I never really realized how simple Resident Evil 1 was. It's such a great game, but I had been playing it for like nine hours at that point, and I decided I'm going to take a break. And I'm like, I just wanted to play something wild and crazy. So I jumped into Red Dead 2, and I started playing it, and I was so overwhelmed by all the things that I had to do, that I literally stopped playing it and went right back 
to uh, um, Resident Evil. Good choice. So, I mean, it just... I thought this would be a really fun topic because I don't think people talk about simplicity anymore. I think that when we hear games are deep and detailed and, like, just crazy, like, that's a good thing now. So I thought it would be really fun for us to kind of chat it up. So I think what we should start off with is maybe, like, more simple games and, like, why simplicity. So, I mean, Brandon, do you have something you want to start yeah, us off with? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to go kind of back into the 90s. Okay. Um, the 90s, we had a lot of great games coming out, kind of like Contra, those right. 2D side-scrollers. And when it comes to simplicity, that is really as simple as it gets. You're talking about going back and forth, pretty much. That's yep. it. Um, so I think seeing those kinds of games back then mm-hmm. really showed off what simplicity can do. Just a yeah. fun experience for everyone. Today... We don't really see many of those types of games anymore. And if we do, they're not being put out by big developers or they're not being, you know, advertised properly. So for me, it was great to see when Cuphead was released yeah. that we were going back to maybe a simpler time, uh, you know, going back and forth, run and gun type, yeah, type deal. Yeah. And that's one of those games you can sit down and Cuphead might be hard. Yeah, but it, you can't deny that it's one of those games that's very easy to play because the controls are very simple. Yeah. Easy to play, hard to master. Oh, definitely. Exactly. Um, Brandy, do you want to talk about a couple of maybe simple games that you really like? Or um, So Resident Evil 1, I grew up playing that game. I remember, probably isn't really a good thing. I remember since I was like four or five years old um, that I just remember my dad playing that game. That's how I got introduced to that world. Um, I've played it so many times that obviously it's become a no-brainer for me. And not to mock your nine hours, but I'm pretty sure I can finish that game in like an hour and a half. <laughs> impossible (laughs) well that's great i'm sure i can too but i was enjoying my time no i understand and it's and it is about enjoying it too like i said i've played it so many times um yeah it's it's definitely been a huge leap to that world but yeah definitely resident evil one um i remember god playing like the old like gta that was that was the like that was pretty easy and even for being a console game like that it was easy to like hack per se or to do like the cheats because a lot of cheats did come out with it um everyone remember bully oh, the game bully love Bully, absolutely it was a really weird game because it's like you're still a bully yeah. <laughs> in a way which was frowned upon greatly but um pretty much almost the same world as gta yeah i mean it was the same maker right yeah it's same. it's actually confirmed in the same world like Bully is in the, the Rockstar world. That's what I thought, because obviously the logo is up on there, but it's yeah the same um, world. Um, hey, come on, guys. Where's my bully, too? I want college. Like, come on. <laughs> it's literally an open canvas to do whatever you want. You guys could do, like, frat hazing. Um, you could do kind of like an American Pie style type thing. <laughs> Rockstar, you are who I go to to laugh and have a good time with. Make Bully 2 and make it interesting. Like, I, we're feeding you, man. Just just spoon-feeding these ideas right now. You're welcome. So bringing up simplicity, I mean, a game like Bully, obviously, isn't what we think of typically when we think of no. simple. But, I mean, let's comparatively. say comparatively to today's games. Oh, yeah. What do you think that maybe that had that didn't overcomplicate things compared to one of Rockstar's new titles like Red Dead 2? Yeah. Oh, God. Um... So I haven't actually played it, but I have talked with Brendan a lot about this because I'm I was very, very interested in the game. And funny enough, when I came to the store, everyone was talking about it. And everyone was asking me, you know, are you gonna buy it? Here's this, this, and this. Have you played the first one? Um, so I was told that you need to constantly take showers. 
in this game or you will be kicked out. They actually don't have running uh, water in the Midwest, so they, it wasn't showers <laughs> per se. Maybe warm warm baths in a barrel. I was going to say I did want to correct. I, I did say bathing. I just had to throw that out there. Okay, sorry. Bathing. S- sorry, guys. Well, they've got jacuzzis in the world of uh, Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, you and your horse can both uh, get in the water, stay warm. They've got the jets to blast off. <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, bathing. So yeah. bathing in a video game. Yes. Of course, that's cumbersome. You bathe in the real world. Do you want to do that kind of stuff in a video game? Um, yes and no. Like, like you said, like, you just want a game where you can just easily chill you know you come home from work whichever you had a rough day you just want to kind of relax a little bit you don't want to think too much sometimes about a game and again i feel like there's a lot of pros and cons with it like Mm -hmm. yes you do have to keep up with a lot of things the bathing aspect of it um whatever certain tasks um it's just kind of like sims in a way too where it's like you need to constantly keep up with everything or you will die (laughs) yeah no i mean i i kind of want to harken back to uh, a simpler time real quick and uh we kind of started this conversation with resident evil but resident evils really reminded me of how much horror really worked with simplicity horror is something that like the more detail you try to put in the more over complicated you make it and it really takes away the fun of it um i remember going back and playing uh silent hill 2 resident evil 1 silent hill 3 these games are all masterpieces, in my opinion. Um, I mean, all the way up to even, like, Resident Evil 4, which is, as you guys know, my favorite game of all time. Like, it was just it was so well done, so perfect, and you stop. I have a legion of fans <laughs> to agree with me. You can agree all you want. I hated 4. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm sorry. Resident Evil 4 aside, and a wrong viewpoint aside, Metacritic says that I'm right and you're wrong, but... <laughs> Um, anyways, but no, like, I mean, like, the old days of horror games and, like, how simple they used to be and how fun they used to be, to me, are just kind of ruined because we try to be crazy and do all these, like, extra things and jump scares and, oh, I gotta scare people to death to make them enjoy a good horror game, to me, has really been ruined. Um, like, I will tell you this, one of the scariest things I remember being in a uh, as a kid growing up was playing silent hill 2 on ps2 in oh the thick deep fog that covered the city was more terrifying than anything that was in it like it, because it was real it, it is they right it was so and like i know the fog in all honesty was there to hide the fact that the game didn't look great they didn't want you to see the details or where they stopped building levels um but to me it was just you know it was so oppressive and it really made you fear that I just don't think I've ever had that horror game feel ever since like Resident Evil or since Resident Evil, since Dead Space 1 was probably the last horror game that really had that vibe of being truly scary. Everything this point forward just been kind of bleh. Bleh. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, Brandy, I know you like Resident Evil, so. Um, I have a huge Resident Evil fan. Like I said, that's what I grew up on and I have played every game obviously since the new console but i mean i have all my old ones i have you know one two three which is nemesis if you didn't know they did an in-betweener one in there too nemesis is actually 2.5 i still call it three um but then they made resident evil survivor um i forgot about the survivor game they did survivor they did i'm not going in order i know but they had outbreak yeah oh god they had um the cruise ship one 
Resident Evil Gaiden, for those of you who don't remember the uh, oh yeah the very much hated Game Boy Advanced <laughs> version of Resident Evil 2. We don't talk about that. That was a dark era for us. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, and then 4 and so on. Um, but like how you're saying with Silent Hill, like they made it simple, but they made it real. Like I feel like in a way you connected with it. Um, you still had the jump scares once in a while. I remember, like, like I said, like I was so young when I did it. I remember being scared of the zombie face and then what didn't make it better though is because i'm also terrified of clowns my dad tried to make it better i was like oh no it's just a clown well that didn't work out <laughs> i am definitely terrified of clowns so it didn't work so we tried to make it a little bit more mm-hmm. fun for me it didn't fool me at all but again i probably shouldn't have been playing it since i was five six years old <laughs> how about you brandon i mean did you play horror games growing up or? yeah absolutely so I, I did play some of the resident evil games i'm not nearly as big of a fan as you guys uh, just because that's not really my genre. I never connected with that. Yeah. However, I can say something that I've learned from cooking when it comes to simplicity. So mm-hmm. taking just a couple core elements, natural things, mm-hmm. combining them in a way that you don't lose the flavor of each individual one. Um, that's one of the key things that, you know, great chefs try to do is they try to bring yeah. out natural flavors. Yeah. So applying that to a video game sense when it comes to simplicity mm-hmm. um, talking about horror games, something that is simplistic and is able to blend all of those elements together perfectly mm-hmm. without overcomplicating them, so adding maybe too much seasoning or something like that, um, you get the the truest form of that genre. So playing yeah. a game like Resident Evil 1 again, you're talking about not overcomplicating a system that works. No. Um, yeah. And I think that that's where simplicity really kind of gets its roots, is games like that. Games yeah. that truly showed us that you don't have to have a thousand levels with endless content for something to be enjoyable. Uh, and you were talking about how you feel more scared by games that maybe don't have, yeah. you know, so many things to do. It boils down to exactly that. The more simplistic you can make something, the more deeply you are going to feel as the player. Yeah, completely. And I mean, I think it's kind of a good, like maybe a good place for us to bounce off of simplicity and onto the detailed side. But um, real quick, I just wanted to say, I think it's really funny that like Resident Evil of all games to talk about has gone full circle. Uh, they tried the really detailed, really deep, really action-oriented game where you have all these things, and Resident Evil Six bombed. Like it is horrible. It is one of the worst games on the face of the earth. I think that we can agree on. Yes, we thoroughly can because it is garbage. <laughs> um, any game that I run out of ammo in, that that's a problem. I've never played a Resident Evil where I ran out of ammo at the final boss, no less. Try knife fighting that thing. It's not fun. But what I was going to say is it's really funny that like when 7 came out, they really looped back into this like limited storage space, limited ammo. Like the stress has been crazy. But between it and Resident Evil 2, the remake that just came out, what, a month ago, two months ago? Oh my God, that game is perfect. Like I, I am a huge Resident Evil 4 fan. But let me tell you, it's Resident Evil second. 2 remake might tip the scale just a little bit okay um i haven't even got to play the free content that they put out for re2 but i can already tell you like how simple it is how like the limited ammo stresses me out when i'm like oh do i take the shot or do i just run um things like that have really made that game so much more fun and i i think a lot of horror games lack that nowadays and i think they're all about just screaming like a banshee in your face and so um i think with that note though we should kind of talk about the upside of detail because there are still great, great games that have so much detail to them that it's not even funny. 
Um, and I think I kind of want Brandon to start us off on this one again because he actually brought it up, but Rockstar. Can I actually, uh, oh, yeah, before please. you start that, I just want to touch base. It won't be long. Um, what you just said about the remake, I can definitely touch base with that. And I'm actually nervous to play it because when a remake comes along, I don't want to lose what the first one was. You know what I mean? So like, mm. I come from this. I deeply love Resident Evil games, like I said. Um, I'll, I'm just a little bit nervous to play it because, you know, it is... Mm. Would you say it's like a revamp of it? Obviously, there may be some different stuff in it. You don't have to like say any spoilers, but we have talked about it, you know... Mm outside of here and we've been kind of comparing stuff like you've asked me things like yeah. well okay what's like this in the original and this is how it is in the new one i um, am a little bit nervous just to play it just because like i you know i don't want to lose that part of the original second one mm-hmm. and it is a lot different like you said with simplicity and how the two can be you know very very different with just how the gameplay is the guns the ammo and things like that and uh, no i i mean i definitely get what you're saying but i don't think that like i think it differs itself enough from the original that you're not gonna lose the memories because i still have memories of playing the original resident evil 2 and it's a great game and it will probably never be topped of its generation okay but i think the remaster kind of separates itself because it's a new experience of something i'm familiar with it's like going through a familiar place but with more experiences in it. Um, because, like, the old Resident Evil games, I do love the simplicity, but some of them could be too simple. Um, it just adds those little things, like, there are more puzzles around the place. Like, one that I really thought was kind of, I'm sure people hated it, but you actually had to find, like, safe combinations in notes and around the, like, the, the RCPD, and it was super cool because... You had to think outside the box to get this. Well, correct, and it was really fun because they were, like, environmental. Like, I came in in a room where on a big, giant uh, weight erase board was the combo to a lock, Mm -hmm. and I didn't even think about it until I walked by, and I'm like, oh, hell, that's the combo (laughs) for a safe that I walked past, like, five hours ago. So I, you know, backtracked my way to it and got it, and I got a new extra slot for my inventory and was like, man, that felt really rewarding to go back and do this, and, like... Normally, I hate backtracking in video games. Backtracking, to me, is the, the devil. So I, I really don't think that this remake itself will, you know, kind of... Take away. Yeah, I don't think it'll take away from the original. I think it's a new beast. Okay. Cool. That's fair to say, then. All right. Well, then let's kind of, again, talk about the detail. Brand, if you want to start us off, like I said, with, you know, like Rockstar. Yeah, so Rockstar has kind of like this big lead when it comes to us talking about this conversation between simplicity versus complexity yeah. uh, and the fact that they've been making games for a really long time we've oh, yeah. seen a lot of grand theft auto entries um, we've seen a lot of you know red dead has two technically yep. three games out now if you count red on dead, dead nightmare hey oh, four, four, four games excuse me um <laughs> so one of the things we could do is um let's look at something like grand theft auto san andreas yeah san andreas was one of those games that was perfect for the time and i think you know when it came out it was kind of complex yeah Going back on it now, especially comparing it to GTA V or even Red Dead Redemption 2, mm-hmm. uh, it's a much simpler game. Yeah. So what did that bring to the experience for me? I felt very comfortable in San Andreas typing in cheat codes, flying around the city. Oh, God, uh, yes. I was very happy just to drive around and blow stuff up mm-hmm. because that's really all the game allotted for you to do. So that was an example of maybe a game being too simple by modern day standards. I'm... I would almost make an argument to that, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but one thing that I did think about, but like even their complexity, if you remember you could gain weight and lose weight in that game? 
Yeah. Very true. And, like that was that was a first, man. Because mm-hmm. I don't even I can't tell you another game up until like Red Dead Two, where it's like, oh, I ate a cheese. You know, I ate I ate meat and it made my my weight go up. And exactly. I was like, holy crap. Well, comparing San Andreas to GTA Five, yeah, yeah, and that's the jump I'm going for. Is mm-hmm. it, again for its time, it did show a lot of complexity. I mean, it was yeah. a game that had a very large world by its standards of the time, yes. um, and it had a lot of stuff to do. But again, comparing it to GTA Five, oh, you're yeah. talking about a much, much more complex campaign. Three characters interacting, you can change between yeah. them. You're talking about the addition of a lot of special abilities you didn't have before. The world itself is humongous. Yeah. Um, and that made me play a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So instead of just going around blowing stuff up and having fun, <laughs> it made me actually want to go through and complete each side of the story. They added the online mode. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about a game that no longer just has that one mode you can play on, but it has pretty much your entire life. You can right. be a person, own a business. Um, so GTA V was a huge step away from simplicity and a jump into complexity. Now, when I play games, I don't always play games that are simple because I don't always look for that simplicity of sitting down after work and, you know, being mindless. Yeah. Sometimes when you play a game, I do want to own a business. I want to be in a motorcycle gang. I want to fly helicopters around the world. And that's what GTA V gives you the option of doing is, is playing to a style that fits you. So I think that's a perfect example of complexity that isn't bad. Because it gives you stuff to do. It keeps the game, you know, I, I still play GTA V and it came out so long ago that it still has me coming back to it. And then comparing that to a game like Red Dead Redemption 2, GTA V feels almost simple compared to Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm-hmm. So talking again about complexity, uh, I loved Red Dead 2. I think most of us did. So the fact that it was complex didn't deter us from playing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's, that's really good because... That's what we look for is we look for a game that can captivate us and hold our interest. And if a game's too simple, it ceases to do that. So I think to each their own, mm-hmm. but complexity is something that we also need to keep the game industry developing yeah. and to keep us entertained. I think there does need to be a balance. Um, I will say real quick, I believe I would like GTA better if there wasn't a lot of hackers blowing me up every five seconds that I basically like respawned. Oh, on the online. Yeah. On the online. It was horrible. I was just trying to enjoy the game, get used to it, and it feels like everyone was always after you with a tank that they, you know, got out of thin air and mm-hmm. tried to blow you up. So that was the only negative I could find about it. But just like Brandon said, I mean, there needs to be a good balance in the world. And I feel like, yeah, GTA Five definitely did do that. Yeah, and I mean, I... I definitely agree with you guys. Like, I, I do, and I, I don't know. It might just be developer to developer cases, but like, I really did enjoy the complexity of Red Dead Two. Um, I mean, there are really cool things, like the fact that you do have to bathe, and that makes a difference. Or like, one thing that I didn't know is, um, if you uh, skin a carcass and throw it up on your horse, oh, and then boy. you drive around or drive around, you ride around. <laughs> yes, motorized <we>. horses. <laughs> Hey, they had iron ponies in that time. Excuse me? Boom. Um, but anyways, you know, if you rode around with it for too long or it took you too long to get back in town, um, it actually would like rot and it could cause animals to attack your horse. Uh, it actually would eventually just like break apart and fall off and you couldn't sell it then. And so I thought that was kind of a really cool thing to like, you know, add into a game. And it's just that layers of detail that I think are cool. And like you said, I mean, they keep the game world developing and becoming stronger and stronger um and 
another really awesome example i actually want to give a shout out to our editor who mentioned this to us prior to recording but uh he made a point about the easter eggs and how complicated they've gotten compared to the way they used to be oh yeah like i remember um i'm gonna use his example of uh black ops to compare to a future one but um a really simple one i remember was like in gears of war 3 you know you had to go around to these four vents shoot it and a little chicken popped out and if you shot the chicken the chicken turned into like they had the caustic locusts in gears of war 3 mm-hmm. it would turn into this giant caustic chicken that would spew fire at you and just chase you around and like back then that was awesome that was so weird so out <laughs> of the blue that none of us expected it but then like you know, he was mentioning one of the uh, the Black Ops 3 Easter eggs. It took him and a friend four hours to complete, like, in one run because it was so much. Oh um, and I've seen them. Like, I've never actually done any of the Black Ops Easter eggs, but I've seen the amount of time and effort that they take in to do. And it just leans to that, like, is simplicity good still or is, it, is that complexity more fun to people? Um, and I think there's an argument to be made on both sides. But I think with complexity in games nowadays, I think it's just kind of like Brandon said, we have to have it because it's going to make games better because there's always going to be that evolution. But I think at the same time, we have to control it. And I mean, I guess at this point, we really just need to talk about, you know, where where's the balance? Like, what do we think is the balance? All right, guys. Well, I guess I'm going to start us off then. Um, and we're just going to talk about kind of like where where simplicity and complexity belong and like how we think the balance should be. So I wanted to start off with a game that's really, really simple, but I think is a masterpiece of the modern times, and it's uh, Playdead's Limbo. Uh, Limbo, if you've never played it, is a very, very, very simple game. There's no talking. There's a lot of story and a lot of heart behind the game, but you have to really derive it from what's going on. But the reason I think it's brought up is because, I mean, the game isn't that old. It's Xbox 360 era, so it's probably your, what, 2013, 14? yeah um area like that but i think the great thing about the game is there's nothing to it (laughs) there's like five buttons (laughs) they don't do much they just grab pull like little simple things but i will never forget the horror of running from that god-awful spider that evil evil spider because that thing chased me down didn't i didn't have a face it didn't have anything it was just a shadowy spider and I was so terrified that it was going to eat my face that I thought I was going to die. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I, I really do think simplicity does have a place. But at the same time, like, I can see where complexity still is necessary. And I, I'm going to leave more of this to Brandon. But the game that he's going to bring up, I think, is a perfect combination of simplicity while still having detail and complexity. Yeah, absolutely. So one of my absolute favorite games, if not my, my go-to game, uh, is Bioshock. Um, And we're going to be referring to just the first one, not Bioshock 2, not Infinite, because I think that that's where, in my opinion at least, that perfect balance of simplicity and complexity mesh. Mm -hmm. They kind of meet in the middle. Uh, And that's because Bioshock by itself is not a very complicated game. It's a first-person shooter. Um, Mind you, it has some dated gameplay just because of the time period it came out, but it was pretty simple to get the hang of. RT is to shoot. uh, LT is your plasmid. That's it. Now... Simplicity and controls is one thing just because it's not hard. Anyone can pick that game up and figure out how to play it. Mm-hmm. But it gave you room to actually play it how you want to. Yeah. So there were some more things you could do. Like you could use certain plasmids to take down certain enemies. Mm-hmm. But that was really up for you to discover. So yeah. it wasn't anything you had to do. You could beat that entire game without really ever using a plasmid on an enemy. 
if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who don't know, plasmids are kind of like magic. Um, <laughs> but your DNA changes and it lets you spit fire out of your hands. Or bees, whatever it might oh. be. Pretty cool. Those um, bees, man. So, they are the bomb. Absolutely. Still. So overall, the gameplay for Bioshock, it's pretty simple. And I think it's pretty self-explanatory. But they did hit on something else. Story. Yep. Now, the story of Bioshock is probably one of the most complex I've ever played. You are thrown into a game with very little explanation of what the world is around you, what's going on in this world, or really why you're there. Um, so I think that's a, a key point to hit on is just the fact that complexity is derived from having to look at your surroundings, figure out the story for yourself, pick up audio logs. And those audio logs would tell you what happened in Rapture anywhere from, you know, three, four years ago uh, to current date. So you had to actually take initiative to learn the story. Uh, and that's one thing. Gameplay is simple. Story should be complex. Um, and I think it's a cool note, too. Like, some of the mechanics in that game were kind of complex. Like, the fact that, you know, you lit oil on fire and it burned and exploded. You could electrocute water and it actually worked, worked like real electricity. So I, I definitely agree with you. Like, it was a complex game in a very simple package. Exactly. You never had to utilize that if you did not want to. Yeah. Um, and the complexity of that game, in my opinion, comes completely from the story. And that's what I want. As I want a game that's very simple to pick up, learn, use, but a game that makes me think. And a game that, you know, asks important questions. And I think mm -hmm. that that's what Bioshock did. Definitely. And that's one of the reasons I've replayed it once a year since the first time I played it is because yeah. it still holds up. And I, even though I already know the plot twist and I know the story, I'm never tired of hearing it. Yeah. Agreed completely. We don't want to spoil the plot twist because two people in our current room have never played it, and uh, I'm very sad about that. One of them has an excuse. The other one, well, he kind of has an excuse, too, so. Uh, you both need to go play it real quick, please and thank you. What is that again? Bioshock. Okay. Um, so, Brandy, what, um, what game, you know? I felt like you touched on simplicity more. Mm -hmm. You were kind of halfway, so I guess choose one that's more complicated and... Sorry to bring it up again if I'm going to change my answer. Complicated one was, I'm sorry, Resident Evil 4. I did not like it whatsoever. Maybe it was just the transition that they started to do. Take your beanie. There you go. <laughs> um, I remember running out of ammo the whole time. I remember things being not really clear to me. And I did tell myself that I would go back and play it on behalf of you to see if I do like it again. But I just remember trying to start that game numerous times and I would get just so frustrated and bored with it because for some reason I just couldn't figure out how some things were. I would try to conserve my ammo. You know, I would, you know, push the run, use the knife and everything like that. And for some reason I would always find myself running out of ammo. I found myself dying a lot. I couldn't, you know, save what's her name. We don't talk about Ashley. Okay. Ashley is a... I mean, while she is the best AI companion we've probably ever had in a survival horror game, we don't talk about Ashley. And it was kind of cool um, that you could tell her to hide and you can like call her and, you know, yeah. tell her certain things. I found that really cool. But just for some reason, I couldn't figure it out for me. I felt like that was just very difficult. Um, I know a couple of their friends who found the same way, but then friends like you where, you know, you loved it. You loved going through the whole game and it was, you know... I'm guessing one of your top 10 games, let's say. It's number one. It oh, okay. Sorry. Number officially one. my number one game of all time. It is a masterpiece. So Brandy, I know you said like 
you felt like you ran out of ammo a lot, and you just felt like it was a more complex game. I feel like I couldn't get a grasp on it, and mm -hmm. like I said, I have gone back numerous times, and it has been a while since I have gone back and tried to play it again, but just for whatever reason, it didn't hook me like the other ones, and it didn't hook me like other games that come out during that time as well, and it's like... If I'm starting to get a hold of my Xbox now, you mm -hmm. know, why can't I even get a hold of this PS2 game still that came out how many years ago? A uh, long time ago, still been released like 19 times. Just throwing that out there. True. It's just for some reason I can't understand why I can't get a firmer grasp on this one and why I can't enjoy it as much as obviously a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. I felt like that was also the start of coming into a new era with those games because look at all the ones that have come after that. That, he, did, that has been, just been so great. One bad one, one really bad one, and literally a masterpiece, so. Well, there you go. It sounds like it evened out itself. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it kind of peaked and then came right back up. Roller coaster. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, you know, I think simplicity is something that we take for granted nowadays. I don't think we really look at how simple some games used to be and how much fun they were for it. Yeah. Um, you know, like I was telling you, I went back and bought Glover on the PS1. Yes, you um, did. And it is a great... Almost mint condition. Great game to go back and play. Still super fun in its PS1 state. But it, one of the most simple games, you just roll a ball around, collected crystals. That's literally the entire <laughs> game. No plot, no backstory, just crystals. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think we you know, had a really good conversation about simplicity. I think we all kind of hit on like reasons why it's good, reasons why it's bad why complexity is good and why complexity is bad. So, I mean, with that, is there any any other comments you guys really want to leave our viewers with before we take off? We are living in a post-Resident Evil 4 world. <laughs> if you're not on the boat with that, uh, sorry, but you're not living. You, you really aren't. It, it is one of the best games of all time, and I know they're making fun of me, but best game of all time. Mm. So anyways, guys, with that, um, I really want to thank Brandy for being on our very first episode of 2019. And we Aww. hope that she comes back and does plenty more with us. Thank you. Um, I'm also really excited to say that we do have a few other people who are going to be helping us out. I'm pretty sure that myself and Brandon are going to be a pretty much mainstay on it. But we do have other people who want to help us out and who want to be on it. So I'm hoping to get a lot more perspectives on games so that you don't have to hear that Bioshock and Resident Evil 4 are the only good games in existence and that no one else likes anything. I promise to branch out. <laughs> but uh, with that, guys, I really appreciate you guys listening to Cheap Shots Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.